Welcome to this episode of the Cool Tool Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is John O'Brien. Hey, John, would you like to introduce yourself to our watchers and listeners? Sure thing. Hi, I'm John O'Brien. I'm the founder and co-owner of Revolution Makerspace. I'll be sharing four cool tools that are in the makerspace. Okay. So these are going to be um, large scale, not your ordinary home purchases, I suspect. Yeah, I was a little torn about that because I know one of the guidance is that they're publicly available, but technically they are. You just have to have a pile of money. Right. But if you are interested in banding together with a bunch of other people to have a communal space, these may be tools that you want. Right, exactly. So um, with that caveat in mind, what's one of your first choices? Well, yeah, so the first choice I would share is this uh, laser cutter. So this is a Thunder Laser, uh, Thunder Laser Nova 51 130-watt laser cutter. Uh, it's one of my favorite tools because, number one, people really love it. They use it for engraving and cutting leather and wood. Um, and then also, as the runner of a space, selfishly, this thing is very easy to maintain, right? There's You have to clean the lenses occasionally, but... Other than that, uh, it's very low maintenance, um, and it's one of the highest used tools. So right. Uh, so so it's about the size of a, gee, I don't know, a, um, a large, large, large freezer, maybe even bigger. Um, what would you describe the size? Oh right. So for the audience, it's for the listeners who can't see it. Um, Kigali. It's like five feet by six feet by three feet high. Yeah. You can fit, uh, actually, it has pass-through, so you could actually fit a whole sheet apply into it if you wanted to, but typically that's a, you can fit about half a sheet in at a time. You mean a four-foot by four-foot sheet? Yeah. 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 And um, this is looks pretty powerful, so it certainly be capable of, cutting things can it cut metal like aluminum no it cannot cut metal so that's one of the most common questions that we get um i know there are certain lasers that can engrave metal but uh this isn't one of them okay so you have you have a laser cutter using for a plywood um and um like how much does it cost Oh, gee golly. Um, I think it's like $15,000. So. Okay. It's only best for, I mean, I guess if you were starting like a manufacturing business, making things that, uh, so like where we're now is making uh, signs for plants. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a woman, like I mentioned, who's doing like laser etching into leather works. Okay. She uh, but no, it doesn't do metal. So, so, um, um, and I know by, now that there are many vendors of um, laser machines, including ones at the higher end like this. Um, why is this one superior to others, maybe in a similar price range? Well, yeah, that's a fair question. So I haven't, you know, full disclosure, this is the only large scale laser cutter I've ever used. So I don't have, you know, personal experience with other ones. That said, in my research, there are certainly higher quality ones that are like two times or four times more expensive. And there are certainly cheaper ones. Uh, but the support that I've gotten for this one has been really great from Thunder Laser. They get back within like less than 24 hours. 
and with copious amounts of tips, right? They're really trying to bend over backwards. Um, and so I think that is worth a lot to me. With a life, I think it was a lifetime warranty as well, lifetime support. So for a guy like me, you know, I have middling to okay skills with these things. It's really important to have that support. Uh-huh. And what kinds of things would you need support on? Oh, well, so there's lots of things that can go wrong. I mean, the one that actually goes wrong with it for me is the smoke that comes off of the uh, the things that you're cutting and eventually accumulate on the laser uh, lenses. So you have to clean the laser lenses. In addition, you know, you might have to align the laser lenses or you might have to replace the uh, the water or, you know, God forbid, one of the, the parts in the controller goes off, right? I'd have to replace that. So that kind of maintenance. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I, I know that lasers have different uh, power ratings and um, some of the ones from China these days have had, um, I guess there's carbon dioxide is that right one of the yeah this is this is the co2 engine that's right co2 yeah um and, and the, some of them have actually kind of decreased in price down to the level of a consumer purchase um how, how what's the rating on this one just just so we have an index yeah so 130 watts and so what that means is that it can very easily cut through like quarter inch uh, plywood okay M maybe even a little thicker yeah, I mean, I, I there's another been a, and a re release the like stress test or whatever, but yeah, I think the on the website uh, it indicates you can go thicker than that. I can't tell you off the top of my head. Okay, all right. So this is um, the Nova Thunder laser. Yeah, uh, Thunder laser Nova fifty one on and thirty watt laser. Okay, so what's um, what's the second? Uh, Select. Oh, so the, the second one I was going to show you is this is that. Uh, well, again, over to it. Give me a second. So this is a this is called the European five function machine. So it actually has five functions in one. So it has uh -huh. a a table saw, a jointer, a planer, uh, something called a shaper, which is like a giant router, and a mortiser. Wow! Wow! All in one. So is it working off the same motor, or is it just all in the same cabinet? No, it's all in the same cabinet. There's three motors. So there's one motor for the table saw, one motor for the jointer, planer, and mortiser, and then another motor for the uh, shaper. But okay. the thing about it, Mr. Kelly, that's great, is like if you look at this shop, it's a relatively small shop. And so instead of having to like cart back and forth machines to the center, which is difficult, right? You just have this one machine it has different attachments and different configurations, uh -huh. but it stays in one place. So for those who are listening, it looks like a kind of a very, very large, you know, contractors level or, you know, cabinet makers level um, table saw that has uh, extensions on the side and more than one contraption on the top. Um, but it's not that much bigger than a big table saw. Yeah, that's correct. So it's, it's there's a couple of different features that one should be aware of. So this sliding table um, is is really great. So there's a couple of things. It does not have like the uh, automatic shut off that you see nowadays. With um, a saw stop, you mean? Right. Yeah, it doesn't have a saw stop, but it does have with a sliding table. You don't actually stand behind the work, right? So right. typically, you're not actually you don't have to worry much about kickback. You're not getting your hands anywhere near the blade. 
So I quite like that. Right. So so what he's describing is that this is kind of a European style table saw where instead of pushing a big sheet or across the table, one half of the table moves in relation to the other half, and that half holds the work, and you're pushing the the sled, the sliding sled, I guess. Uh, That's correct. Around, across the blade, so um, it's easier, more accurate. It's almost like having a one of those fest tools uh, track saws. It's almost like it's a cross between a table saw and a track saw, maybe. Yeah, you're exactly right. So yeah, you wouldn't need a track saw with this, and it actually one can process panels. So I process eight uh, eight by four panels with this. It's not easy as an individual, so that's why I have this. Uh, well, let me show you. I guess just quickly this. This uh, little gadget here is yeah, nice. Flip up. You can actually put a panel on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy to cut a four by eight sheet of plywood in any, you know, on any saw, even a, even a track saw if you have to. But um, yeah, so that's, that's really cool. This idea of a combination for a small shop. That's really neat. Um, yeah. So, so, so in terms of cost, if you were to buy them individually, is there a big savings or is it just space? Um, that's a great question. So I don't think so. Like I, I think maybe it's like a thousand dollars cheaper than buying each machine individually. Um, that said, you'd have to like, it's kind of a work to, to try to get. So, you, you know, a mortiser would be a couple hundred and then you can get a joiner planer combo. But what I found was that a lot of people who have small shops, they end up doing this anyway, where they sort of try to, either bring them out back and forth, which, like I said, it was very unappealing because then uh -huh. large pieces of equipment members would have to move or they end up arranging them in this kind of configuration where you have a Georgia planer right next to the table saw. So I think that having one piece of equipment, uh, even if you maybe have to like move the uh, output codes for the wood uh, dust flexion, is actually much easier than having a bunch of machines. But no, I don't think it's actually much cheaper. It is probably higher quality though than you would get for the same price. This is a European style machine. It's very, very rigid. It can do like high quality. Some people talk about making furniture down with like calipers that are thousands of an inch. I've never uh, done that, but these are the kind of machines that you absolutely could if you really wanted to. And where is, uh, who makes it and where does it come from? Well, so SCM is an Italian uh, company, and um, I got it from an importer in the U.S. I originally actually reached out to SCM directly, but there was a problem with that, which is that, again, I need long-term support, and the, the local U.S. manufacturer, outlet, or distributor, or whatever you have it, they don't have guys who come out. So instead, I bought it from... Um, a company called Atkins Machinery out of New Hampshire, and they provide lifetime support. So if I need to, I can call them up. I have to pay them, but at least they'll come out. But that said, the, one of the other reasons why I like this one, Mr. Cleese, it's had like almost no problems at all. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm still like learning a lot of the features. So maybe when I get into like the shaper or the mortiser, I'll have a problem. But like, I haven't even had to change the blades. Uh, it's just been rock solid since they've learned. Well, um, and so this is called the Minimax. Yeah, that was a brand I think SCM bought out many years ago. But this okay. is the C300 Classic, and then the 300 refers to uh, 
300 millimeters, which is the uh, width you can uh, use in the jointer. Okay. All right. Wow. Um, that is pretty, pretty cool. So, um, so John, tell us about your next cool tool pick. Sure. Um, so I think I picked the LMS 309090, right? Um, so this is a mini mill. Oh, you can't see it. Can you see it now? I can. But yeah, so I really like machining. Um, and so this is a mini mill. If you've never seen a mini mill before, it's like a drill press in a enclosure. And the difference between this and a drill press is that it can cut on the sides. Um, and then in addition, the bed weighs, you know, or very rigid and can hold stuff very well. Um, so this one was one I actually converted using uh kit, you know, online. Um, wait, wait, you, you convert, converted from what to what? Oh, sorry. So yeah, I bought a mini mill, um, the little machine shop 3990. And then, uh, I eventually bought a CNC conversion kit so you can use it, uh, to do CNC cutting of, uh, metal. Oh, I see. So you took a manual mill and then you added the ability to do a computer controlled CNC version of it. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, I think eventually I don't think I saved much over just buying a Tormac from the beginning, but you know, I didn't know that's where I would end up. So here's uh -huh. where we are. And so um what do would you use this for? What kinds of things would you use this for? And and how how complicated is it to use? So you would use this for cutting metal. So like if you wanted to bake molds or uh, small metal pieces, um, that's what you would use this mini mill for. Uh, and then it's actually pretty hard to use. So of the of the machines in the shop, it's probably the one that requires the most prior education. There's just certain techniques that you need to use for machining in order to have any good outcomes. And um, they require a little bit of Free work, more free work than the other tools, really. Okay, so in 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 your shop and people coming through, what do you find that people are using it for? Uh, so one gentleman was talking about actually making a. So I have a CNC router, but he has a CNC router at home, and he wants to build a better one that's more rigid. Um, and so he's using something called, I think it's called Print NC, where they have like open source. CNC router plans, but the catch is there's certain metal pieces mm. that you for like the end caps, for instance, that hold the uh, the ball screws right. and then the guide rail. And so those pieces, though, you have to either use your own CNC right, right. router, very difficult, or you could use a medium like this. So it's pretty technical machining. It's the kind of the things that you would maybe ordinarily send out to a machine shop to to mill. Yeah, I mean, I love it because it's it's just I find the the whole thing fascinating, and it's a whole other domain. It's a whole it's a whole other set of expertise, and there's a certain amount of like logic, like geometry to it, where you're trying to like infer something from something else. So I personally really enjoy it, kind of my bag. But you're right, yeah. Usually, if you, the alternative would be you would you know send the part out to a machine shop. Right, right. Um, and so so in this case, you purchase this. Uh, Mill, was it something you purchased new or is it used or, or what? Oh, yeah, I purchased the LMS 3990 uh, new before the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, I really got into machining. You know, I was in my garage. And um, after many hours of like, so when you're using a manual 
mill, a mini mill, you have to like turn the crank and then you have to like do it again. And I can only take off like 5,000 of an inch at a time. So I was like, you know, there's gotta be a better thing. And then I, <laughs> you know, realized of course, CNC stuff. And I was like, that sounds like the cat's meow. And so, you know, this is like the second or third evolution of this. Cause you keep on like refining things, but uh, it's, it works, it works okay. Okay. All right. So, um, so then your, your, your fourth, um, tool selection for us. But yeah, so the fourth one I'm a little torn about because it's the, probably the most fussy one. Um, so I guess I'm a little bit split on, but I will share. So this is the, can we see this? Okay. Yeah. So right. this is the modic, uh, big 60 3d printer. Um, oh, big, big, big. Yeah, so the the thing that I'm focusing on for this makerspace is equipment that folks probably couldn't get themselves right at home. Right. Um, and so well, it looks like it's, it's uh, in operation. Yeah, I was trying to print an example print, but this is probably also an example of why it frustrates me. So it's just very finicky, right? Like between the, the you build it from a kit, and all the joints are these. I don't know if you can see that very well, but they're extruded aluminum with these T nuts. Uh huh. Probably fine if your floor is like flat linoleum or something, but my floor is a rough shop floor, and I feel like every time I roll around, something comes loose that I have to fight and tighten it. In addition, it's just finicky as all get out. So like, this print's not going to work. I don't think this time, right? And I don't know exactly why. And so like, I'll like take it apart and I'll adjust things and I'll tweak stuff. The support has been really good for Modics, so I can't blame them, but just the machine is very difficult to make. And, and is, is that because um, the scale of it just means that things have to be more rigid and that gets harder to do the, 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 the bigger it gets? You know, I, I honestly don't know the reason why. I think that is exactly part of it. So like sometimes these prints can last for days. So, you know, over that course of time, if one thing goes wrong, right, then the whole print can be lost or the whole point could be not worth anything so yes i think that the size of it leads to that but alternately some of the other stuff like so in order for this machine to make a lot of sense i thought it would make sense to have a higher volume uh pretend so i started to use like a super volcano which is this like really large you know high temperature extruder um so that didn't really work very well though it's just so finicky and finding just the right temperature where uh every filament will flow for a space like this, where I want people to just walk in and use stuff. It's not, it's not great. Um, so, but on the other hand, when it does print something, it's like magic. You can get this mad, like this giant object. That's like perfect, but it's like only one in five times maybe. Wow. Wow. That's not, yeah. Um, I, I know I have a Prusa, you know, your regular standard thing, which I made from a kit, which I do not recommend because it was far more. I mean, I took, hours and hours and hours to assemble it. And um, it, it is also finicky. I found that I had to really pay attention to the quality of the filament. It was very sensitive to any variation in the, um, the size of the filament. And um, the cheaper filaments were just, they would start slipping and blah, 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 blah. So um, yeah. And that's exactly the kind of problem that I have with this one, but just on a larger scale. And like, Changing the filaments on this is non-trivial. The Titan Arrowhead, for whatever reason, like every time I have to change the filament, it takes like 15 minutes, right? And then to your point, getting it dialed in with a new filament 
if it's a new brand or whatever, is not easy. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, for a place like this where I want people to just be able to walk up, do their stuff, and leave, it's just not a great fit. Right, right. So, um, so tell me a little bit more about your space. Just um, now that we're here at the end, um, is this like a membership idea, or is this sort of like come in per hour training? What, what is it? School? What is it? But yeah, it's a membership thing. So it's $109 a month. We're in Waltham, Massachusetts. Um, I initially was interested in like training, actually. That's that's fair. Uh, and so I did have one gentleman teaching a class on woodworking, but he uh, moved away. So right now we don't have any classes. Uh, so right now it's just $109 per month per member. Uh-huh. And you're in where Massachusetts is? Is this Western Massachusetts? Where's Waltham? Oh, yeah, the Waltham's like if you're like the outside of Boston, like 20 minutes, that's Waltham. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and uh, the um, you, you you must have some other tools that you didn't show um, in in this thing. What, what else? What other kinds of things do you also have as part of the of the selection? Yeah, sure. So there's an X carve. Ooh, actually, one if one more favorite tool I would mention. This drill press is my favorite thing. Like for, so this is the Nova uh, DVR drill press. So the thing I love about this is it's digitally variable. So you don't have to change belts if you want to change speeds. Yeah, and it releases power um, or torque in even at higher or low speed. So I can use it for both wood and metal. You wow. Know. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, cool. that's called a what? A Nova. That's a Nova Viking DVR digital drive technology. I got the 16. Now, of course, as you always regret, just kidding. Anyway, I should have gotten the 18 with the floor stand, but it's it's really a great drill press. Um, it is really a great drill press. Like in terms of drill presses, I really recommend this one. Okay. Yeah. But so- yeah, also, we also have the X Carve uh, CNC. This one's a little twitchy, though. And again, like, it's funny. So for me, the maintenance of things is like a really big deal, right? It's like the more hours that I have to maintain something, it really bothers me. So the X card has been a little problematic from that point of view. Um, metal bandsaw and uh, large wood bandsaw, both of those uh, get a fair amount of usage. Uh-huh. Um, and those are relatively low maintenance. So I like that. So this is the Laguna 18 inch bandsaw. Uh, it's really good for resawing. So if you wanted to cut mm-hmm. down, uh, actually, you can see some resawing wood up there. Right, see right, right. Um, is there kind of like a league of makerspaces where people can trade um, information about things like maintenance and the machines that actually require less maintenance than others? No, not that I know of at least. That's a great idea. Because um, um, where, where you're having kind of a high input, you have a huge variety of of machines that maybe most industrial shops probably don't have um yeah i mean because most people don't think about maintenance when they're buying it they're usually other factors price features most people aren't thinking about maintenance and so you guys maybe have a different set of criteria yeah you you know it's a a good point i mean i end up uh, going on to like the there's a mini max user forum and then there's a Uh modix Form. So for the each piece of equipment, there's kind of, but you, you bring up a good point. I mean, if, if I did give advice to someone trying to start a makerspace, the laser cutter is like, people love the laser cutter and I, it's not my bag. Right. So it's not what I would have anticipated, but 
when I was asking around, I was like, this idea, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. What do you think? And my friends were all like, oh, get a laser cutter. And I was like, what's a laser cutter, right? So <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that, I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether other makerspaces report the same thing with the, the, the number of hours of machines being used. Um, but, um, well, anyway, John, this is really, really great. Did you have something else you wanted to share or, or about a project you're working on? So I was thinking about that, and honestly, this is the project that I'm working on. Okay. Like originally, it was like, you know, these kinds of machines. Like I trying to make this 3D printer work, but like at this point, this is my full time project that I'm trying to get working. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot of work. I can see just keeping those things going, and I, I'm sure you probably have to instruct people in terms of some basic things when they begin to. Yeah, it was funny. So I started out being like no training, but then like that didn't work at all. So now it's like. And as much training as you want, basically. So <laughs> that ends up being another thing I'm going in. Yeah, yeah. Um, just even for the safety of the machine, let alone safety of the people, there's you know, lots, lots to, to learn. Um, well, uh, thank you very much. This was a great. I appreciate your volunteering for this, and um, uh, I appreciate you sharing your expertise and what you've done. And uh, tell me the name again of the makerspace. Thing. First, let me thank you, Mr. Kelly. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. And uh, it's called Revolution Makerspace. Uh, Revolution Makerspace, Waltham, Massachusetts. If you're nearby, check it out. Um, we'll have some links uh, below. And um, John, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. This year, our Cool Tools blog will be 20 years old which means we've been posting something new every day for 20 years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year and I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast and have four uncommon tools that you'd like to share with us, um, please sign up on our form on the website and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking all, talking on a video and um, you need to have some tools that you can show. Um, we record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a visual video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your four, four cool tools and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way. Um, and we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the US, although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And um, if you are a long time listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy from something in the kitchen to something used to travel to a workshop to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. 
We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guess for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, and we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you.